sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Hello, it's Sarah here. It's our favourite time of the week, isn't it? We are talking Pet Chat and, of course, our hotline, 49216216. Daniel Carrington, lovely to see you as always. We've got Dr Bob. He's been booted off a microphone at the moment because we've got a beautiful guest in the studio. Please welcome. Thank you very much, Sarah. Look, we've got Mel Kerr in the studio and we're going to talk about why it's important to do puppy training when Uh-oh. you go buy your puppy. Yes, I yes. think I probably missed the boat with Gizmo <laughs> considering he's 13, won't listen to a word I say. <laughs> Never too late, okay. And we've got Daniel Carrington in the studio. Big hello to you, Daniel. Big hello. I've got a test for you. Uh-oh. All right? Okay. Uh-oh. Got your smart hat on. Oh, yes, I'm getting sweaty palms. <laughs> if I right. do this, if I do this, woof, woof. Oh, you, you're an angry dog. What did I just say? You just said I want attention. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing pretty well. Pretty well. Okay, so this goes back to dog training, not only for the puppy or the dog, but the owner as well. Okay. How can we communicate and know the difference from one type of bark to another type of bark and so forth and body language? And that's why we've got Mel here. Hello, everyone. Mel Mel from Balance Paws Dog Training is going to talk to us about why it's important to actually go, once you've got your puppy, to go and book them in for some training with a dog okay. behavioralist. And yeah. it is training for us just as it much is. as them, isn't it? It is. Okay. Yeah, I kind of, I got into it because I love dogs but the focus is on the owners and teaching the owners how to understand their dogs, how to communicate with them and how to to train and teach their dogs to do what we as humans expect them to do because the majority of behaviours that dogs do, so we've got, say, for example, mouthing, jumping, a little bit of digging, Mm. to a dog that's all natural. It's all natural behaviours to them but to us... We like our shoes. We don't like them chewed on. We like our gardens. And we don't like to be jumped on. When, they, when they're little, it's not so bad. But as they grow, mm. it gets quite annoying. So learning how to kind of manage that from the beginning and then teach them alternate behaviours is the best way to start. And I think us as responsible dog owners, it's up to us to kind of set that example. So they know the expectations. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And unfortunately, they don't speak English. So (laughs) we've got to learn how to communicate with them. Yeah, right. And and Sarah's already doing a pretty good job from the test we did, (laughs) isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) But how important is training and finding the right trainer as well? And how do you do that? Yeah, finding the right trainer is really, really important because dog training has come such a long way Mm. in recent years and they've done some really great research and what we're finding is we don't need to use those harsh corrective methods of training anymore Um, positive reward based training is the way to go it helps build that relationship that we've got with our dogs um, that trust that we've got in them Um, so finding how do we find the right trainer so there's a lot of good questions you can ask the um, the Association of Professional Dog Trainers Australia have a great um, website and on their website there's actually a list of questions and things to look for in a good okay. trainer. So qualifications are one because unfortunately the the industry is not regulated at the moment. So anyone can basically set themselves up yeah, as right. a dog trainer or behaviourist. Mm. So you want to look for some sort of qualification um, and ongoing learning. 
so that they're attending seminars and workshops and things like that. So we're keeping up with, you know, the most up-to-date best practice. And then when you do a call around of a number of trainers, <coughs> what kind of questions would you want to ask? Um, so I would firstly ask what sort of training methods do you use? So you're looking for things like force-free, positive-based reward training. Mm-hmm. Um, balance training can get into a kind of a bit of a grey area, it's not so black and white. So there What are, is balance training? So balance training um, is generally a mix okay. of, of the positive reward based training, but they may also use more kind of corrective based okay. measures as well. Um, so we we want to know what basically what, what are you going to do if the dog gets something wrong? So say for instance um, I'm working with a client that a dog's jumping and the dog jumps on me. What do we do? Mm. We ignore the dog. We just ignore that moment and then we go back again and start the training, training again. So there's no, there's no um, choke collars or prong collars or mm. e-collars or things like that that are, are going to harm the dog. Um, and that would be my first question is, you know, are there any methods that you use that may harm my dog? Mm, that's a good one. So how do we manage, we touched on this subject a little bit right at the beginning of the interview, how do we manage normal dog behaviour, which is some things like mouthing, jumping, chewing, digging, just some little tips <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the best thing to start off with is, especially with puppies, we need to manage the environment. So a lot of people get a puppy and they kind of just pop it in their house or their backyard and hope for the best. Mm. So puppies can't tell the difference between your, you know, expensive handbag or your shoes to their chew toys. Mm. So we need to puppy proof the house like you would with a toddler. You need to make sure there's not things that they can kind of get into mischief and and get into trouble with. Um, And we also need to start to teach them reliable alternate behaviours. So for jumping, you would teach the dog to sit. So you need to teach that so it's a it's a pretty bomb-proof sit, so you need to start adding direct distractions in when you're training the dog. Because even though we train them, say, in our kitchen, they learn it really well. Once we start to throw in a few distractions, they start to get a little bit confused and the distractions are kind of more high value than that actual behaviour. So we need to really build up those behaviours so they're reliable enough that they'll want to do those as opposed to jumping on us. So it's lots of rewarding the behaviours that we want mm. and managing the environment so they don't actually get to practice the behaviours that we don't want. So Mel, I've, I've bought my puppy. It's eight <coughs> weeks, nine weeks old. When is the best time to introduce the puppy to a training school? Now. At that point? Yep. 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 Most, um, most good puppy preschools will take dogs from eight to 16 weeks old. So that's baby puppy preschool. Mm-hmm. And then they move on to adolescent um, puppies, so yep. a little bit older. Um, so another question I have for you is like, how can you add enrichment to the lives of okay, dogs on so, a daily basis yeah, so enrichment to keep their minds busy their and active? Their minds active and mm. we need to kind of engage their brains. So a lot of the time we're so focused on exercise. So we run the dog, walk the dog, throw the ball to the dog, but we're not actually engaging their brain. Mm. Um, so if we can do that, what, what we often find is that actually tires them out a lot more than a good walk Mm. so they've got to think about what they're doing and so good ways to do that um there's a lot of great interactive food toys on the market at the moment um i know you guys sell the aussie dog products Mm. so they have like the tucker ball and things like that you can actually put your dog's meals in so instead of feeding your dog in a bowl yep use a use a food dispenser toy so they've actually got to work to get the food out um you can scatter feed so a lot of the times in the morning if we're in a rush i'll just throw the the 
dry food out on the lawn for our dogs and that they'll spend like It's half... a treasure hunt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they spend half an hour and they're engaging all those doggy scents. Sarah so... does that with the kids. I do. <laughs> Here you go. Oh, Blake. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Go get the rice bubbles. Not sure how that works with the milk. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so they're engaging all those doggy senses. So they're, they're, they're sniffing and they're foraging and they're having to, to work a little bit for their food. So there's lots of ideas. If you just, if you Google enrichment items for dogs, there's heaps of things mm. on the internet now. Um, lots of stuff you can make yourself. So you can use toilet rolls, um, just fold the ends over, pop some treats in, egg cartons, some PVC pipe with the caps on the end. I could go on forever wow. about this because enrichment. Some great it. ideas. And so, yeah, there so are. You've done your puppy training class, which goes on <clears throat> for like an hour a an week. An hour a week, for generally for five to six weeks. Five to six weeks. And then do you set and forget? Well... A lot of owners do. Um, I I like to talk to owners about puppy training kind of gives you a snippet and and the basics of training. The platform. Yeah, yeah. It gives you the beginnings of of what you need to be doing. Um, And majority of puppies will be performing the behaviours that we trained to a certain degree when they finish. But training's ongoing. Our dogs are constantly learning with every interaction that we have. They're learning from us. And do they get more disobedient the older they get? Because I'm sure Gizmo does not listen to a word I say anymore. <laughs> the old, they, they can get cognitive issues and stuff when they get quite old. So that's a whole other okay. story. Um, the disobedience is probably more the behaviours weren't trained to... I set, and f- I set it and then forgot about <laughs> a it. A little bit, maybe, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Definitely. So there's got to be lots of reinforcing. And as I was saying before, you've got to slowly add in distractions to the training. So you're building up the, the dog's desire basically mm. to perform those behaviours that we want in really distracting environments. Really good advice there. Thank you very much, Mel. My Lovely pleasure. to have you on board. And that's Mel from Balance Paws Dog Training, if you want to Google her and have a look. Thank you. Paul from Shortland, you want to know how to stop your neighbour's dog from barking? Oh, gee, that's a hard one. <laughs> Yeah, um, can you hear me? Yeah, can you turn your radio down really quickly, please? Uh, it's turned down. Okay. I haven't turned it off. All right. Um, I'll turn it off. But, um, yeah, it's just that, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of listeners out there who just absolutely go sparse about people's dogs when they leave it through the day. It just continuously barks, like, and, you know, it just, you know, I love dogs. I've got a dog myself. But, you know, it's um, really uh, frustrating, annoying, and sometimes just drives people absolutely crazy. With You walk into your backyard and the neighbour's dog just barks, 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 barks. And um, I've talked to council and council say, well, you have to basically talk to the person about it. Then you have to do a petition and talk to other people around it, log down the times that the dog barks. And, of course, that's not really a practical thing. So... I'll leave it up to you guys to explain how to fix this problem. Thanks, Paul. It is a very common problem. The difficulty is that the people are doing the opposite of what Mel was just talking about in preschool, adolescent school, adult training. They're leaving the dog to their own devices. So when you think about barking, it's really good fun. I shouldn't really say this on air, but it's like a marijuana high. They get a, they get a buzz from it. It's an adrenaline rush. They want to keep barking. The more they bark, the more they keep going. And it is, as you said, you walk out your back door and the dog barks and, and is the bark, yeah. hello, how are you going, what's going on? Or is it, please save me? Or is it, you know, someone walked in the yard 50 kilometres yeah. away? 
So yeah, it, or there's a dog over the backyard of the other dog and starts just the other one. Head and they all just sort of tune in to, um, it's a great game or something, yeah. It is. It's a barking network. It's like Facebook for dogs, really. It's just, <laughs> they tell everybody the postie is the, is the main yeah. person who starts it off as well. The I more. Just want to log off. Yeah, <laughs> and it's true. Having lived next to barking dogs in the past, it is, it is very annoying. The main thing about it is that it's intermittent, so it suddenly stops and he, ah, oh, that's lovely. Oh no, it starts up again, mm. and then it might go yeah. for two minutes or it might go for an hour solidly. Yeah. So yeah. as if, the, if you guys can um, come up with a a, a, a way of sort of getting, yeah, you know, like solving this problem. Yous will make squillions of dollars. <laughs> I can guarantee it. I'll market it for you. You'll make a you'll make a fortune. Well, uh, well, that's exactly what Mel was talking about. The more we invest time in parenting our pets, the more the animal is a little bit more exhausted. Um, one of the things she said: scattering treats before you leave for work. Mostly that's eaten within the first ten minutes. But the good thing about dogs is they will wander around and sniff them. But the other thing, you can get dog walkers to come and take the dog for a walk. The big problem is, though, when I go to people's houses, is I actually find out that the people don't know. So the owners of the dog that's barking don't know that the dog's barking through the day. So it is very important yeah. to actually have that, that basic conversation. Look, I'm sorry, but your dog is barking a lot. Have you addressed it with them, Paul? Have you let them know? I've talked, yeah, yeah, I've talked to them before, but, there's, there's, it's, but it is a... Um, High a area of neighbourhood dispute. You know, maybe yeah. a little note in the mail, a friendly note in the mail is probably a good yeah. idea. Yeah. And um, if you can get everyone else in the neighbourhood to drop, drop a friendly note in the mail... <laughs> But, yeah, it's, uh, it, the, the problem is is that the person whose dog it is doesn't affect them really because they've they're gone to there. work or they're away. Yeah. It's and the people who are still around uh, around them that is actually affected considerably by um, these dogs. And what you're saying is about the, you know, what the person can do with their dog itself. Well, they're they're there. Not what you but the people, do. any third party apart from them... Are powerless, really. Yeah, unless you go and see them, and then it's up to them to solve the problem. But the people who are affected, who are still at home, are powerless to do anything, really. Yeah. Sometimes, some of the dog owners, when that information is brought to them, um, maybe they don't know how to fix the problem, how to yeah. go about fixing yep. this problem. It's like, oh, my life is already so busy, I don't know how to do this and fix mm. it. But being a, um, being able to maybe supply some ideas now, you've listened to the yeah. program, you've, you've got um, people like Mel from Balance Paws Dog Training that you can write down on that piece of paper, how about try this one? Um, the, <laughs> yeah, it's about responsibility. In, in our store yeah. at the Pet Shop Boys, you know, we work with our clients who've got dogs in uh, who, who bark in the backyard and we've got some <clears throat> things that we can educate them with what they can do um, yeah. and, and some products. So there are things there but I, I think a lot of the time is, oh well I don't know how to solve this problem, just let it keep on going and hopefully it'll just shut up. Mm. But again, going back yeah. to parenting... Well, that's pretty well what I've done. Yeah, but going back to parenting, it's about... <laughs> Parenting is about just spending time with the animal, helping them to know what is appropriate, giving them um, a mental and physical challenge. Mm, mm. So you're giving them something, you take them for a bit of a walk. Some dogs, that actually excites them and they bark mm. more through the day. Other times it's better just to keep it quiet, some basic training. 
Sometimes you get a person who can come and walk the dog for you. Sometimes you can pop home for lunch. There are lots of little things you can try, but until you know what the problem is, then you can't really um, deal with it. But it is so important There's, to um, talk first. I might actually have a look at that because I'm back up on the show next week, but uh, I did an interview a couple of years ago by a company that worked with um, Brisbane City Council for this very type of problem. Oh, good. And Maybe chuck some ideas out for And uh, I'll, I'll try and interview these people again because um, they had some great ideas and after the council ran this experiment for three months, they went back to the uh, neighbours who complained about the dog and 80% of them no longer had a complaint. Gee, that's good. Yeah, that's so it's really a really good. good result. Because I've actually been on the other end of Paul. When I was rescuing a chihuahua once, uh, he was barking during the day and I didn't realise and I had a letter left in the mailbox mm. and I was mortified. But mm. very similar, I thought, what am I going to do? What do I do to stop him from barking? Mm. So, you know, and it was about chatting to the neighbours and finding out when he was barking. So, yeah, some really good advice there. We are talking pet chat. 49216216 is our number. We've got Peter from Beresfield. Now, you've got a question about a rescue dog for Dr. Bob. Um, I've had a, a rescue dog about oh, about three years ago, and um, it's a social issue. Uh, every time it sees another dog, it wants to attack it. Now, when I had it, sorry, when we were up there, it got attacked by five other dogs. Yeah, it doesn't uh, help at all. Yeah. No, it doesn't help at all. Now, it's a lovely dog, and it's great with humans and kids and all that, yep. but this issue is with the other dogs. Now, I was wondering if there was a way that I can start introducing it um, to other dogs... Um, it is very difficult, Peter, once they're uh, an adult dog and if they yeah. have been attacked by other dogs, it will remember the personality, the shape, the breed, the type, the smell of those other dogs because yeah. the adrenaline was flying, um, it was really on high alert, and so now it thinks every other animal that it sees is going to do the same thing. So yeah. it's, if you like, trying to have a, uh, a good defence by being very offensive. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you've got to start way back, and I'm talking about 100 metres away. So there's yeah. no point nose to nose, you're, you're just asking for trouble. So yeah. it's starting from 100 metres away, asking the dog to be sensible, to look at you, to see the other dog, to be calm, to look back at you. The more yeah. you reward it or calm it, long, slow strokes, hug it to your side, put your body as a partial barrier, the more it's hopefully able to settle. If it's not, go back another 10 metres because okay. every time it practices the reaction and arousal to the other dog, the worse it gets. The more yeah. it feeds off that arousal, potential aggression, potential reactivity. And yeah. that's where so many people go wrong. They, yes, it's good to have a partial barrier, hide behind something, but that's, again, not within 10 metres. Because oh, yeah. it's like um, sitting in a meeting with people who are very aggressive. It's just, yeah. it's no fun for anybody. It's not yeah. a pleasant walk. So you try and avoid other animals unless you've got a nice bomb-proof animal that says, oh, yeah, you know, that's your problem, I'll still be there, and it, and it copes. Whereas if your dog is reacting, it's not learning in that situation. Same as us, if we're petrified or we're angry or we're excitable or bouncy, we can't learn effectively. We have to be calm to learn. So the more we're helping them to learn the more able they are to cope. So take it slowly, very slowly, and yeah. just remember that we don't all get on with everybody around us. Mm. 
And dogs are the same, no doubt. They are. They each have a distant in, individual personality. So we get on with some people, we don't with others. So it's, you know, part of life. And it's very true. When you see the dogs in that moment when they're feeling anxious or, you know, they, they're not going to learn because it's everything else goes out the window. They're way up on a high. Yeah, yeah. they are. Now, we've got another one here about uh, your dog is chasing birds. Hello, who have we got? Oh, I'm Marcia. Uh, I have a border collie. And he's three years old now. Um, the noise of the birds. He doesn't chase birds because he won't chase magpies. He just doesn't, you know, they're very quiet. He doesn't bother about them. But but the squawky birds. Um, and I do have some fruit trees, so I'm quite happy he keeps the birds away. Yes. <laughs> from, from my fruit trees. But... Um, he barks while he's doing it? Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and it is I just... do worry about my neighbours because yeah. they also doesn't matter. Well, most of them are out. It's only daytime. doesn't bark nighttime. Uh, it's only daytime. He doesn't bark when I'm out. If he's on the chain and, and near his kennel, he, he doesn't bark then, apparently. No. The uh, difficulty is that Border Collies love to, to chase. They love to play. Yeah, they love to do yeah. anything like that. And, and if you watch him closely actually sit on the back steps or something, and see what he's doing. As you said, the magpies, you know, they tend to not go for the miners either because what they they, they they retaliate by having the gang come and knock them around. So um, they they all squawk and, and squeak at them. So, but it, it doesn't go for the magpies because they're a bit big and they are relatively quiet and and opportunistic. Well, I did talk to him when he was a puppy and said, you know, we don't chase these ones. They're, we like them. <laughs> <laughs> See, don't chase the male person because he brings bills. No, 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 that's okay. Um, but, yeah, chasing birds is really good fun, and it's a border collie's very deep brain instinct to chase. So mm. you need to actually put him on lead. You need to spend some time in the yard. As you said, when he was a puppy, um, you spent that time where you need to keep doing that. It's the same as us. We need a bit of a, a reboot, if you like, to, to say, look, yes, what's, the, what's our prime directives? What's the, the best things we need to do? Well, chasing a ball's good. Chasing birds, not quite so good. So you yeah. try and interrupt and redirect. Um, so don't let him chase the birds, whistle and click, get him back. Chase the ball. But with the birds, the problem is, yeah, you want them to, to be away from the fruit trees, but then, yeah, it's it's a whole difficult situation. It's not going to be easy, but you what will have to... What about the barking side of it, do you know? Because he, he um, yeah, he's, he's got a lot better. He used to bark at everything that went past the house. Um, but I sat with him at the fence and we talked to everybody yep. and we sat outside the fence. That made Good. a big difference. Yes. outside the fence and he's got to know that these things don't bother us um some things some things really good like the neighbor's cars he doesn't bother anymore Quite used to them the, the postman's bike no, no way like you said there's like a it's there's a like switch. a facebook along the street yeah <laughs> um with the with sitting outside the fence you're actually outside the partial barrier that the fence provides and he feels safe so that's a really good idea. So it's the same in the backyard, on the lead. No, you're not allowed to take off. And it's not actually letting him get to the full extent of the lead. It's keeping mm. him next to you if you can. So he mm. has to be calm and watch the birds. And yeah. if they go near the fruit trees, okay, maybe we walk half the distance towards the tree. 
but mm-hmm. you don't let him run because the more he runs, the more it stimulates the whole chase instinct and the mm. more we're out it, we're not able to modify that. So uh, the problem with anti-barking collars, um, in my opinion, waste of time mm. plus an animal welfare issue. Um, anything else like surgically removing um, oh, vocal cords... Yeah. You have to actually, as a vet, keep a register to do that, and that's, again, an animal welfare issue. There are so many things that you can do prior to going to that that extent, and I don't think that's a reasonable thing myself, but there are vets who will do it. He's quite happy on a rope lead, a tire piece of yep, rope, to his need. collar, and then he'll yep. trail around behind me, not even holding it. He doesn't go far away from me when there's ropes sort of giving a slight pull, yep. uh, getting caught in grass and things, you know? Yep. It's it's just the um, I'd like to be able to say to him, be quiet. You know? <laughs> and and you can, but the problem is that we have to give him a treat that is a greater value than actually chasing the birds. And well, it's like the supercars coming up in Newcastle. Let's <laughs> try and say that's not going to happen. You've got too many rev heads that are going to enjoy it. So it's the same as with the dogs. You've got to pay them with something that is more valuable, but you've got to start at a distance, not right next to where the birds are. Thanks for your call, Marcia. We're taking your calls, 49216216. We still have time for a couple more calls. Now, possibly a very controversial topic, Dr Bob, but we've had someone contact us, and you can do that also via our website if you head to 2NURFM and hit pet chat you can always send in a question they've mentioned debarking yeah. i've never heard of this is this a legal thing it's it's you have to actually as i said as a vet keep a register of when you do it you remove the vocal cords out of the pharynx it is it for people that have done a lot of relatively safe operation but for the average vet who hasn't do it very often it can be lethal so it's it's a dangerous operation and it stops them being able to bark really dogs don't have to bark to survive Okay. So they can be perfectly happy without barking. You'll have some breeds that are more prone to bark. Again, deep brain instinct in that breed has been bred for them to bark, to try and chase stock or to round them up or as a guard dog type. Do they still think they're barking, but they're not? They do, and they can actually, depending on how much of the vocal cord you remove, they can actually develop a noise, and it's sort of a... (coughs) sort of a sound, so it's a muffled bark that happens, but... It's not something that should be done as a first choice and people say, oh, I've tried everything else. Well, how about we look at the diary and see what you've actually tried. Right. So it is something that can be done, but again, it's a last resort. Okay. So it's not something that is, is good to do and it does have a welfare implication. But, yeah, dogs don't need to bark and that's why when they're puppies you train them, no, no need to bark to play, we're just having fun, you can run, you can roll, you can wrestle... You don't have to bark to be the okay to get attention. Interesting. We've been talking today um, about you know neighbours having issues with other people's dogs barking, and it's nice to see we've got Carol on the line. Uh, you've got a compliment for the Rangers at Cessnock. Oh, that's great. Oh, hello, Carol. Are you there? No, Carol's gone. Okay. Well, she had she had a compliment for the Rangers at Cessnock, so that was good. That was and, good. And it also depends on what the Rangers' tasks are. If they're mm. just the dog ranger, then it's it's not too bad. But like at Lake Macquarie, they actually have a whole range of different um, tasks that they have to do, so parking and, and yeah. that sort of thing. It's so it's a time issue. It's a time issue, and the amount of um, yeah, how many rangers there are per per person. Mim in Belmont, how can we help you today? I was just listening to the program and I listened to that gentleman explain the final thing about getting the dogs to bark. He solved that problem, but my query was, what happened to the dog? 
I, I hate to think that they had to have the dog put oh, down. Okay, I was so, a bit so you're referring um, before when we had a gentleman call in and said he went to the EPA. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, he solved that problem, but I just wonder what happened to the dog. Yeah, it would have been very unlikely the animal would have been put down. They usually, oh, okay. it's just that the people are, they realise that it is, they have to be responsible. And it's what oh. we've been talking about in urban animal management for 30 or 40 years. Oh, okay. It's helping people to realise that, and it's like children. You are responsible for those kids. Of it's course, like of a course, pet. of course, of course, Like yes. cats, you, you shouldn't let them out to kill wildlife. Well, that's true, that, I believe that. But I'm one of those people, if there are other, dog, other people's dogs barking, it doesn't concern me. I would only get concerned if it was my dog causing the disturbance. I had, had neighbours here for a while, yes. and they had three dogs, and they, they con consistently barked, but yeah. because they weren't my dogs... They didn't bother me, so... Yeah. And it depends just... on where you are and what's going on and what the neighbourhood's like and what the animals are like. And, and it is. We do our very best in society. We're trying to get on with people. And um, some people just, yeah... They're bullies and they're not very nice to people. Other people, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Yeah. And as yep. I said, um, off air, that I've had lots of people that have not known that their dog has barked all through the day because they've been out at work. Yes. So you tell them and they get a nasty note and they go, ah, and yeah. they do something about it straight away. Yep. You yeah. can make a huge difference. And we talked about it all the time. It's about parenting. It's about enrichment. It's about giving them appropriate boundaries. It's about respect. If you're expecting the, expecting the dog to sit in the yard and do nothing all day... Forget it. What do you feel like sitting yeah. around doing nothing? No Facebook, no Twitter, no TV, no we, Foxtel, no radio. That is their social media, as you said. So we need to find another platform for them, too. Yeah, we? and it's, it's about community and family time and investment in that. And, it, and that's what we do with relationships, it's what we do with our children, it's what we do with good friends. Now, Dr Bob, we only have a couple of minutes left. I know, we're, you know we've been inundated with calls, which is just brilliant. Uh, can we quickly touch on mischief and behaviour? I feel like we've already been talking about that you know, today anyway. We can talk about another day, but I was going to talk about... Um, what is it now, WHNS, so Workplace Health and Safety, Mischief and Mayhem and, and Misadventure. Please, every day, check your house, check your yard. If you're going for a walk, check where the dog is. In the yard, make sure there's no toxic plants, there's no splinters or nails in the house. Today we have cords everywhere, electricity cords. Yes. And, and really, the number of animals that, that people have told me their dogs chewed through electricity cords and... Sometimes there's a bit of a black burn mark on the top and bottom jaw. Oh, Sometimes no. they do it and they must have been tossed away or <gasps> the safety switch flicked through and they didn't actually get hit. But so many animals play with cords. Why? Because it, it's funny. It's interesting. Same as dogs digging up irrigation or um, yeah. watering yeah. Um, pipes. It's really good fun. <laughs> the, the water makes a great sound. So they're just trying to solve a problem. So it's, it's all about getting in and making sure you proof that house for the animal. It is, and it's about parenting, reasonable boundaries, respect. We're asking them to respect us, but we have to respect that this is a four-legged creature that mm. can run 40 kilometres in a day. We can't put our values onto them because no. they're different, aren't yeah. they? And cats in the house, we have, oh, we've got sto toys on the floor. Yeah, no, they're vertical diversity. They want to climb up the shelves and move things for you. So give them a place to play.
All right. It's very simple, really. Well, I look forward to delving into that a little <laughs> bit more uh, in another week or two when you're back That'd with be us. Great. But I think that is just about time for us today. It's been a great one. Daniel Carrington, thank you for popping in. Thank you, Sarah. I yeah, loved it. Yeah, thank you for Mel Kerr, of course, mm. who came in to chat to us about yeah, public schooling. And Dr. Bob, as always, lovely having you back in and hearing you thank help you. out lots of people today. It's been wonderful. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.